Welcome into the Housing Hour with Kevin Ray, a locally produced program devoted to bringing you a fresh perspective on housing, diving into the issues that matter most. The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray is presented by Mortgage Investors Group. And now, Kevin Ray. Welcome into the Housing Hour. This is Kevin Ray, and I am your host. I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're really excited to be here. Fantastic summer. I hope everyone is having one, and um, thankful to Mortgage Investors Group for sponsoring this show. Um, We're talking about culture today on the show, and culture is something that MIG is absolutely uh, very, very, very important to us, is how it is that we we not only treat our clients and our customers, but also our employees. So we try to have a, a great culture because that's important. And one of the things I do is I, I like to listen to podcasts. I know that I talked about that last week and, um, and when Tom was on the show. And I've, I've listened to um, Entree Leadership for a long time, and I've listened to many others. But I, I happened to run across a podcast with a, a, just an extraordinary guest. And um, I tried to seek this individual out. And I was able to locate him, thankfully. And so he agreed to come on and talk with us. And I'll introduce him now. Lee Cockrell is the individual who is on our show. Uh, First of all, um, let me tell you just a moment about Lee. Lee uh, was at Disney for a long time. He um, oversaw 40,000 cast members. He was the executive vice president of operations. And he was in the hospitality and entertainment business for 40 years and he was overseeing at the peak of his uh, career there at Disney 40, I'm sorry, 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks and shopping and entertainment village, as well as ESPN sports complex. So if you've ever been to Disney or have ever even considered going or at any point been touched by Disney, you have certainly uh, been touched by Lee's leadership. So first, Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, great. Great to be with you. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, I, I listened to your show and, uh, you know, that you did with Entree Leadership. And um, like uh, Ken, my family and I were, hu- were huge Disney fans. Uh, we've, <laughs> we have been 30 plus times. I've, I've stayed at all the hotels. I've done Disneyland, Disney World. We watch all the movies. There's just something special about Disney, right? You know, and that's what you, you were a part yeah. of. Absolutely, and we like people like you. <laughs> I would think so. My co-host over here has probably been uh, Mark Griffith. Has mm-hmm. been probably just as many times. Oh, a bunch of times, and like uh, like you, we've stayed at all the hotels and tried yep. it all out. And yep. so, and everywhere from the top resort to the what do they call it the, the, the value resort, right. you get the same right. service and benefits. So, yeah, well, I loved it. And that's where I want to jump off from because I know you had a stops in your before 1990 at a couple of other places. I think Hilton and Marriott as well. If you don't mm-hmm. mind, give me the just the 30,000 foot view of, of your sort of the evolution of your career and how it was that you made it to Disney because obviously you made it to as high as you can go in operations. But can, do you mind just give me the evolution of, of Lee's career? Well, maybe uh, it's a miracle because I grew up on a little farm in Oklahoma. We didn't even have indoor plumbing, and my mother was married five times. I was adopted twice, got the name Cockerel, the husband number four, because he happened to have money, so she was Mm. making better choices, so I got to go to college. And... uh, but I forgot to go to class, so I went for two years, and then (laughs) then I went into the Army. 
And that was a good thing for me. I was young, immature, and Army was great. So I learned a lot about discipline there and doing things right. And then I met a guy in the Army. When we got out, we went to Washington, D.C. He invited me to go with him. And we, I got a job at the Washington Hilton Hotel up on Connecticut Avenue where uh, John Hinckley shot President Reagan back wow. in the 80s, if you remember that. Yeah. And um, uh, so I just tried to be the best waiter they'd ever had. And the uh, next thing I know, I got promoted into a management training program. I stayed with Hilton eight years in Washington, Chicago, the Waldorf store in New York, uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and then I left and uh, joined Marriott and spent 17 years with them. I became the vice president of food and beverage operations for Marriott. I'd always focused on the food and beverage business and tried to become an expert in it. So I guess that paid off. Hmm. And uh, I tell everybody today, if you want to get ahead, become an expert in something. Right. And uh, then I got recruited by Disney in 1990 to go to Paris and open Disneyland or uh, Paris, uh, Euro Disney. And uh, I did that for three years. And then they asked me to come back to Orlando, and I was put in charge of all the operations in Orlando, which I did for another 13 years. And then I retired, and now I talk to people like you <laughs> and anybody who will listen to me. I give speeches, and I've written four books. <clears throat> on leadership, management, customer service, culture. And uh, I just go around the world speaking about it because everybody wants to know how Disney does it. Uh, I think most people have been there. They know about it. And they know we execute very well there and take care of the guests. And yeah. uh, so I try to tell them the basics about why we do it and why they can do it too if they will focus on the right things. And uh, that's kind of the quick summary. That's great. Well, that really helps our <laughs> listeners understand because when you went to Paris, you went to help open the Euro Disney, which was a huge, a huge leap of faith by Disney to hope that that uh, sort of magic formula was going to work on another continent. And I think we it's become very clear that it not only works, it works very well, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. I said it was a leap of faith for us, too. I was figuring I'm going to get over there and it's not going to work and I'm going to get fired. So um, <laughs> it all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. Disney is a pretty incredible place. So I, I really want to kind of hone in on this piece of it, because when you were at these other places, they had great. I mean, I've, I'm a member of Hilton Honors. I've been to Marriott. I mean, these we're not talking about, you know, any, uh, you know, flaky companies that you came from. You, you were at the best of the best in the hospitality industry. What you married, I guess, when you transitioned over to Disney was not just the hospitality end of it, but then you bring the entertainment part of it, which, which added a, yeah. a dimension that maybe you weren't used to, right? Well, it was, and it was the major thing. People asked me, you know, what I thought, and I said, I, I wish I'd have worked for Disney first. Mm. I would have done a better job everywhere I went because at Disney you learn right away. Everything matters, attention to detail, we're putting on a show, and it's not just about the product. It's about the emotion of it, the smells, the, the, the music, the lights, the color, the, and they're basically that the cast members who work at Disney take care of you no matter what. Because they know their role in the show. And so uh, that was a, a big eye-opener for me because, you know, at Hilton Marriott, it was just about running the business and, of course, taking care of the guests, but not at that level. I mean, you know, people don't say when uh, to their kids, when you grow up, I'll take you to Marriott. <laughs> they, they, <laughs> right. When you grow up, I'll take you to Disney. Right. And I used to tell my friends from Hilton and Marriott that. That kind of annoyed them. But... Uh, <laughs> 
but it's true. It's yeah. the biggest vacation for some people. People save for years. It's not a expense account. It's people save their own money, and we have they have high expectations, and we are aware of that. And we work hard every day to make sure that that vacation is most fabulous time they've ever had, and uh, hopefully it is most times. Hey, Lee, I have a question for you. I mean, you know, Walt Disney is just iconic, but he did die in 1966. So my question is, how did this... How did this really evolve? Because uh, Orlando didn't open. I don't know when Disneyland opened, but uh, so, how well, did it continue? Yeah. Disneyland opened '55 and Orlando in '71. I, I think his brother really brought it to fruition. They worked very closely together, and he was committed to getting it open and getting it right. And you know, by then the culture of the company was pretty much set in stone. The reputation from Disneyland. Uh, uh, you know, if you get your culture started early and right, it, it can live on if you keep doing the right things. And that's what happened. Uh, and, uh, you know, we got a pretty simple formula at Disney it's around hiring, training, and, and uh, keeping the culture uh, at a level where people wake up in the morning and want to come to work. So it was pretty much set in stone uh, by then. And uh, I think the success of Disneyland and maybe even uh, Sunday night, World of Disney on television and all the things we were all exposed to it. So uh, uh, that culture just stayed alive, and uh, it's it's the major thing that everybody who works with Disney or at Disney focuses on every day. Yeah, just to make sure the culture. You get that right, everything works. Yeah, and uh, I, I want to jump into that a little bit in our next segment. Uh, we're running close on time on the first segment, but I think that you nailed it when you said that pretty much the culture had been already established by 1966 when Walt passed on. And then that was just really something that was ingrained in not just his brother, but the other people that were on his leadership team. Yeah. And he had already right. established such a great name even then with Disneyland. And that's also something that I want to touch on in a moment when we get to the next segment is because people that are owning businesses right now today that may be listening to this program, everybody has that question. How do I pass my values, my principles and my culture yep. on to the next generation onto the next um, leaders that are coming behind me so that my legacy will stand the test of time. And that's what I yep. really want to dig into in a moment. Um, and it's just so nice to have you on Lee. I, I, I want to also get into talking about, you mentioned it just for a moment there, but how, how do you, and, and this isn't a question for right now, but how do you guys train your, your cast members? What are your yeah. expectations that I'm, I get right. excited even thinking about it because we, <laughs> okay, we can, good. we can take this and we can put it into, into use at our own businesses. This is all free information. I want you to buy his right. book too. We'll give you more info on that. Um, guys stick around with us. We'll be right back after these messages. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, so thankful to have uh, on the phone with us Lee Cockrell, who has over 40 years um, in the hospitality business, and he is retired now. He, his um, time at Disney was what we were zeroing in on in the last segment. And I'm also here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Um, Eric in there is our producer. And we just are grateful, Lee, for you coming in and spending time with us. And uh, we hope that uh, you're able to spend a few more minutes with us and everything good on your end timing-wise. 
I know you're busy. Yeah, I'm guy. good. Thank you. Okay, perfect. Uh, we had <clears throat> we had talked a little about just your time, what you had been, where have you been, what have you done, and then we really um, left that last segment um, setting up the opportunity to talk about uh, culture and what that looks like. And I benefited to hear your conversation with Ken Coleman, but I wanted to set the stage and let you tell it again uh, here a few years later. I'm sure it's the exact same, obviously, but you guys hire somebody, whether that be a manager or someone who is helping to sweep Adventureland. Tell me a little bit about, you know, how do you make somebody who's coming to your park? Let's, let's start here. Somebody who's coming to your park as a guest. What is it that differentiates Disney from everybody else? Let's start with the the end user who's coming in to spend money, and then we'll transition to the employee. But what is it that differentiates uh, Walt Disney World to you know Six Flags or or for that matter any hospitality place? Yeah, well, I think uh, mainly you know everybody knows the the rides and the attractions and the shows and the hotels are themed and everybody knows all of that. But I think what surprises people the most is, uh, the whole culture the environment, how they're treated, uh, how every cast member will stop and help you will go out of their way to, if you lost your phone charger, they'll often go to Walmart and pick one up for you and bring it to your room. And not that we ask them to do that. They just do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's probably the main reason is we hire the right kind of people. We don't try to hire people and make them nice. We hire nice people. So, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to change people is not it, pretty much impossible. So we try. We have a very good system for how we hire, how we screen, uh, how we know uh, what the person's going to be bringing to the job. And so the customer, the guest that shows up at Disney, uh, it's pretty amazing. Today there's 75,000 people working at Disney World in Orlando, and uh, the chances of you running into a rude cast member is zero. I mean, mm. almost. I mean, it's really... Literally, it's, we have high expectations there, and that's the guests are the winners. Yeah. So are we at the end of the day. I just remember when I first took my daughter, it was the very first time that we ever stepped onto Disney property. And even when it was that I was getting onto the tram, but as you got closer and closer to the theme park, and the very first one that we went with that we took her to was Animal Kingdom. And as we got closer and closer, you just began feeling this vibe. And it was the smells, <laughs> it was the sound, it was even the person that was on the tram that was welcoming you to Disney World. And then we ho- yeah. we park hopped over to uh, to Hollywood studios at the time. And it was just this whole experience. And I can't even put it into words. It was almost tangible. It was something you could touch and feel. And I'll never forget the experience that I had. How does Disney do that? Well, I'd say we have three things we do better than anybody else. Number one, uh, we hire better. Even today, if you want to work at Disney, you have to go on the internet, answer 136 questions about yourself. We want to know who you are. What kind of attitude do you have? Do you have high energy? Do you have stamina? Can you stay out there at 95 degrees and sell ice cream and be nice to mm-hmm. the guests all day long and go out of your way to help them? And so if you get through that, you get to go to the casting center and fill out an application. But when I was there before, you had to watch a film about Disney expectations. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you that every one of your listeners, if they want to improve their business, they need to make a list of their expectations for performance for every position in their company. They need to go over those very clearly because when you're clear about your expectations, you get better performance. And when you're clear about your expectations, people who don't like it, they leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They don't stay. 
And at the end of that film, which we talk about personal appearance, uh, grooming guidelines, uh, discipline, uh, work, everything they have to know. And so they come out of there, and about 25% decide not to work for Disney after they hear that. Wow. Uh, they leave, and that's good. That's what our plan is. We only want people who want to be there and want to be great. Uh, so uh, after that, uh, we I say we hire better and we train better. We train everybody. Everybody gets eight hours of traditions training before they even go to their workplace, and we talk about our expectations again and about Disney and uh, the responsibility we have to take care of these guests who are spending a lot of money to come here mm. and bring in their children. And uh, so they're really indoctrinated. We inject the pixie dust deep in their veins before mm. they get out to the workplace. And uh, then at the workplace, they get trained. And I would say we, our, our, our theory is you train people, you test them after the training, and then you enforce the training. Mm. And I will tell you, a lot of companies don't do that. Uh, they're not clear about their training. First of all, it's very light. They don't they spend an hour, put the person to work. The person has no idea what they're doing. And then uh, they uh, they don't test them to make sure they've learned. And when you tell people they're going to be tested, they pay more attention, frankly. Mm. And then after that, our leaders all know their responsibility is to enforce the training for safety reasons, for hospitality reasons, for you name it. Enforcement is the name of the game. Bill Marriott told me once, the only way you get excellence is... Uh, Education, training, if you will, and uh, enforcement. You've got to enforce your, set your standards and then enforce them. If you set standards and you don't enforce them, before long you're going to start slipping. Mm. We say we hire them right, we train them right, and we treat them right. We try to create a culture every day where uh, everybody matters and they know they matter. We have a lot of regard for everybody, no matter where you're from, what color you are, what background, what sexual orientation. I mean, we really, everybody that comes to work at Disney knows they're going to be treated equally. And they have an opportunity. And about most of our managers come from within the company. So you can start there washing dishes and you can become a manager. The current president started there as a busboy at the Contemporary cleaning tables when he was 17. He's now been there 46 years and he's the president of Disney World. Wow. (laughs) You wow. learn the job, you have the right attitude, you have the right discipline, and you have the right empathy for people, and uh, you can get ahead, and the guests see that. I mean, empathy and discipline, those are two big things in life. I think that's amazing what you just said. The contemporary, he was, a, he was busting tables, and this individual has now worked his way up to becoming now the president of Disney. Is that what you just said? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that we need to stick there for just a second because, you know, <laughs> people tend to think, well, you are only going to get a job of great significance if you have the silver spoon and when you're born, or, or maybe it's that you just get lucky or the, the brakes go your way. Well, that's not the case. That, that's actually not the case. If you work hard, if you take your, your career and your goals and your what's inspiring you seriously and you implement the things that you've learned and really execute them daily, the sky is literally the limit. And there is such thing as pixie dust and it's called hard work. <laughs> Right? It is. (laughs) Well, and for me, you know, I don't have a college degree. I didn't know anything. I was a terrible student. And uh, I was, people say, how'd you get ahead? How'd you get up running Disney World? And I said, two things. I had a really good attitude. And uh, I'm very organized. And I do what I say I'm going to do. So when they told me to be at work at six, I was there. I was there when I was supposed to be. I did it. And I kept learning every day. You know, education is important. But I tell you what's more important is exposure and experience. Yeah, And we know at the end of the day, 
uh, a lot of educated people that have a big degree are not very good leaders. They're not good managers because they've had no exposure. They've had no experience. They live in their own little world and mm. think they're hot stuff. And we are looking for people who have the attitude and the drive and uh, have that, uh, that they're wired to make a difference and to pay attention and do what they're supposed to do. We're putting on a show every day, just like on Broadway. Yeah. And we got to have the right players and we got to have the right uh, auditions and we got to have the right uh, direction for them. That's what happened. Now, I know as the as the executive vice president of operations of Disney, you probably um, had a lot of meetings that you were involved in, and you pro- <laughs> probably more maybe than you would want it to be in, whatever the case is. But there's there's a meeting that you would have that I really so appreciated, and that was maybe you involved with it, but it was every morning, everybody would have a 10-minute call, their 10-minute visit to sort of set the stage for the day to come. Can you talk a moment? We only have about a minute left in this segment. Tell me yeah, about sure. that day. to starter. Well, we, we have what we call those pre-shift meetings. So everybody on the whole property, every day before they start their shift, their manager spends five, six, seven, eight, nine, up to 10 minutes with them. And we go over the things that are important. Pay attention to the children today. Let's don't forget where we are. Watch the people in wheelchairs. Let's take care of them. Let's blah, blah, blah. And then we just reinforce it over, just like raising children. you got to tell them 100 times and never stop. Mm. <laughs> don't get bored with the basics. And that's what we do every day yeah. and uh, every shift. So you get a lot of training in that way, too. And, uh, and uh, that, it turns out that... People have to be reminded of what's important if you want to be excellent. If you I want think, to be average, you don't have to do that. Yeah, a very but smart man wanna, once told me, Lee, that everybody has this built-in forgetter right in their brain. And if you don't reinforce it, if you don't continue to, to, to preach the message that needs to be preached, we tend to forget it. And I think that 10-minute meeting helps to reinforce that. We got another yeah. segment here coming up with Lee right in another minute. Just bear with us one second. Okay. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. This again is Kevin Ray, and I'm here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. And we have on the phone with us Lee Cockrell, who is uh, a former Disney executive, and he was the EVP of operations. His uh, responsibility was for 40,000 cast members, which is a lot of people. And he just mentioned it was up to 75,000, I think you said. Um, 20 resort hotels, four theme parks, two water parks, the shopping and entertainment village, and also ESPN Sports Complex, which is a huge, um, it's huge, huge thing now for, for the whole year. It's become bigger and bigger. And um, Lee, first of all, let me just tell folks out there, we have, this is the last segment with you, so we have about 11 minutes, but I want to tell everybody they can go to leecockerel.com. Um, and that's where they can find out more information about the books that you sell, the courses that you offer, and anything else that they might be interested in to learn more about you. Um, LeeCockerell.com. And it's spelled C-O-C-K-E-R-E-L-L. So L-E-E, Cockerell.com. Is that correct, sir? Yeah. And you might mention uh, my podcast, which is called Creating Disney Magic. It's 15 minutes every Tuesday. 15 minutes every Tuesday, and that is um, found also on your website, I'm assuming, correct, sir? 
Yes, sir. Okay, perfect. Well, I wanted to pick back up, and we only have about 10 minutes left with you. I wish we could spend more time, and maybe in the future we'll be able to. But um, there's a lot to learn from what you've already said. But you mentioned a couple of things I wanted to come back to and just sort of finish up on, and that was what the expectations were, what what the expectations were from for you for who it is that you brought on board because you're one person, you've got 40,000 under you. You have to have great leaders, not just great cast members that are out there, you know, helping the individual, but then you have to have great leaders who are leading and leading those people. And you mentioned the things higher, you know, one of the things that the things that differentiate you are you hire better, you train better and you treat them better. And I, he, I liked what you said on that podcast that I heard. And you said, we used to spend a lot of money on trying to figure out, you know, what it was that our our um, customers wanted and then you thought well you know why don't we also try to figure out what our cast members wanted and why don't you express tell me a little bit of what you learned from from rather than having to go out there and do those studies i guess you still did them but some of the stuff was similar right oh yeah i mean actually we did a big study back in the 90s when we learned that guest uh, customers in any business have four expectations and we were able to learn that by talking to about six thousand of our guests after they had gone home from Disney. And uh, the first one was uh, they told us uh, we, and they didn't talk about the attractions or the shows. They said, number one thing we expect from Disney is to make us feel special when we come there. Mm. When you think about that, all your listeners, if you got a business, you make the customer feel special, there's high odds they're going to stay with you. And uh, number two, they said, treat me as an individual. When we got a problem, deal with our problem. Go out of your ways. Stay open late. Do whatever you have to do to take care of us uh, as individuals because we we got 52 million people, and we just try to take care of one at a time, every cast member taking care of them, so that you know, people want to be treated as individuals. And today, if you individualize and personalize, your business is going to win. And third, uh, it said, show respect to me and my family, no matter where we're from, what color we are, what background, all those levels of inclusiveness. And uh, our staff is very aware of that. Our guests come from all over the world, and our cast members come from all over the world. And last, their expectation was, they said, make sure you, uh, you have knowledgeable people working for you. Train your people so when we get served or we get taken care of or we ask for information, we get the right stuff. Mm. And so you put those four. Make me feel special. Treat me as an individual. Show respect to me and my family and be knowledgeable. Those mm. work anywhere. And then we said, we kind of, I came to the conclusion after studying that, I said, what, is the, what are the cast members, the people working there, people working in your radio station, what do they expect? It's the same thing. If you've got good people working for you, make them feel special. Tell them they're doing a good job. Uh, don't keep it to yourself. As my wife said, if you love me, tell me. <laughs> so, and uh, number two, treat people as individuals when they have a daycare problem or their husband's in the hospital or there's some emergency or whatever it is. Everybody's got problems, including you and me, and it's just a matter of time till tragedy shows up at your door. So treat people as individuals. Uh, number three, respect all employees, again, no matter what level of education, where they come from, what they believe, don't believe, as long as they do their job. I tell, we tell our people, the only thing you've got to worry about as a manager is performance. Don't worry about where people are from or what religion they practice or what color they are. Just forget all that. Performance is all we're focused on. Mm. And uh, and the last, uh, cast members want to be trained and developed, and those are kind of two different things. Training yeah. is when I teach you something, and development is when I have to sit down and have a hard conversation with you like you do your kids sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I always tell people, you can't have hard discussions, don't have kids. So. <laughs> 
Well, it's accountability too. People on, in my world, I have two kids that are 14 and 11 and I've had a crash course on this leadership. And I think that I don't, I don't equate, you know, the people I work with, with kids whatsoever, but for me, as I'm being managed and I'm managing others, one of the things that makes me feel most comfortable is that I know what's expected of me and they know what is expected of themselves and they want those boundaries and they thrive in those boundaries. If you, if you don't have boundaries and you don't have expectations, you're going to get a lot of nothing. Absolutely. Therefore your kids are lucky. They're going to grow up with some discipline and empathy and they know that they'll feel safe because the boundaries matter. Yeah. And you're on the right track. And it's right. And especially when they're 11 and 14. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. I, I like something that you said, um, about culture and, you know, you, you have these meetings and we have meetings too. And there's a lot of strategy that goes behind how we do what we do, certainly. And I know that Disney, obviously, you know, getting into different types of mediums and all of the strategy with launching this new online uh, repository. And there's so much strategy. But at the end of the day, don't you think really culture is what is going to define your success? Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, the customer doesn't care about your strategy. They care about their experience. Mm. And they don't care how Michael Eisner told us once, never talk to anybody about how big we are. Only talk to people about how good you are. Mm. Nobody knows how big you are. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought that was a good thing. A lot of times people on the airline, if they were the biggest in the world, I said, boy, when I hear that, that really makes me nervous. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Talk about how good you are. And uh, don't be flaunting that we're big and we're bigger than everybody else and all that stuff. So I think it's good to be humble. Uh, some humility goes a long way. Take care of your customers and uh, take care of your employees and life turns up pretty good. And I think if you, you know, I, I think I gleaned this just from your talk today, but also listening to you and I've listened to several different things that you've spoken on and that I can find that's out there, which there's a lot. Um, and we're going to put your website, by the way, on our website so that people can access it, our listeners. Um, but I wanted to also mention you had talked about how if you can get that piece of the equation right. You get the culture right. You get people really building the culture for you. Then guess what? The people who are, are, who are sort of consuming your content or consuming what it is that you're selling, they'll help keep you accountable. They'll tell you when you're not going in the right direction, as well as your cast members. Also the people that are you're working with that are your customers will say, Hey, this is why we've always done it. You know, is that something that you bring to the table too when you think about Disney? Absolutely. You would our guests help us a lot. When they we do something they don't like or close them they man, I thought I was gonna be assassinated once when we closed the toad's ride. and you can go back and find that on the internet where I had to be leery of opening the door. But yeah, they care. They care a lot. It's we're kinda of like the national parks. Don't screw around with them and that's how they feel about Disney. They feel like they own it and it's theirs and don't be messing with my memories and mm. uh, absolutely and that's powerful and it it gives us a lot of responsibility to take care of it, you know. I mean yeah. because it's uh, special for people. Some one lady asked me once said can you imagine the world without Disney? Mm. And I just thought about that for a while. I said, you know, that's true. All over the world, you run into people know all about Disney. That's really that's really amazing. You you 
you said something too, and I'm sort of trying to consolidate a lot of information into a short period of time. We only have a minute left, unfortunately, but you, and, and so no reason to spawn unless you want to, you had mentioned something about how inside of what you have at Disney, you really of course have a ton of thought that has went into what you do and the strategy I bet is incredible in the thought processes that go through it. But something that you said that really stuck with me, you told, you said on the podcast that I listened to, you said culture eats strategy for lunch every day. <laughs> well, that's right. It does. You get the culture, right? Uh, it'll always beat out strategy because strategy today is changing every 15 minutes because the world's moving so quick. But if your people are behind you, got a good culture, they'll help you with those changes. They'll move forward. They'll be on your side. And uh, it's like at home. You get the culture right, you won't get a divorce. Mm. So <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> and your kids won't run away from home. That's turnover. So. And all, yeah, you're right. And I think it all centers around something you said early on. And that is what Walt Disney did so amazing. And that's what good businesses do. And that's when they take the values, the principle and the culture, and they're able to take that and it transcends everything else. If you can keep those things in place as you leave and as you sunset your career, just like Walt Disney did, just like Lee, like Lee Cockrell did, you're going to have incredible things. And Lee's been able to take what he's learned, what he's has experience and implement that into other things. And we're going to give you that information on our website. Lee, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Okay, we'll see you next time. Have a magical day. Yeah, bye. We'll see you guys in just a minute. We're going to wrap things up, me and Mark, in just one moment. Thank you so much. Housing Hour with Kevin Ray continues, helping you understand what's really going on out there and what to do about it. Again, Kevin Ray. Welcome back into the Housing Hour. Again, it's Kevin Ray. Thank you guys for joining us. I'm sitting side by side here with Mark Griffith, our executive producer and co-host. Eric in there is our producer. And we want to thank you guys for stopping in today. It's been a really, really amazing, amazing conversation with uh, Lee Cockrell from Disney and you know, the things that we learn, I, the fact that he had so much experience leading into Disney, and you notice how they recruited him from Marriott, uh, and what they recruited was somebody that understood the hospitality part. Even though a lot of what he was going to have to begin to learn was the entertainment part, they knew that that was secondary almost, or at least not secondary, but equally as important as the entertainment part. They had somebody that was going to manage that part. He was over the operations, but they needed somebody that knew how to make people feel special. And that's what he did. Well, look what he just did to us. Yeah. He took time out of his day. Right. Now, this guy is right. several books, right. speaking around the world, mm-hmm. but he took time to talk to you. I left him a message about three, about two weeks ago, and he, he said, Kevin, I'm very sorry for taking so long to get back to you. I was in Europe. And he said, and I just got my voicemails and I apologize. And I called him back. He answered the phone on the first ring. You see, that's the secret, mm-hmm. getting back. I mean, how many times have we sat through seminars and say, don't let a phone call go unanswered the same right. day? Right, exactly. And we do. That's right. That's right. We but can't. He, he also mentioned, and I was making all kinds of notes here because, you know, the culture eats strategy for lunch. And I thought about that. And, you know, you, 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 have, you have strategy. 
you know, we have strategy. MIG has a lot of that going for us. But I think more importantly, the culture is the biggest piece of that because what you really have in, 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 in we're not unique in that we have a culture. A lot of people have cultures, but I think it, what's so unique, unique about us is, is that we really do things that other employers would never think of doing, you know, whether that be time off to make sure that you take care of a parent and not even count that against you as far as anything, vacation, you know, sick time, you know, these are all things that we try to go over and above. Now, is it a case by case basis? Sure. But there's going to be instances where MIG is going to step up and, and do things that we've, that, that other people don't do. I, you know, and I think in terms of, you know, when Josh Ballard lost his home, you know, our, our creative director and the amount of people who came to support that was incredible. When we've had spouses pass away, the type of support that has been poured into them, you know, that has nothing to do with mortgages. It just meant about doing the right thing and having just working with people who care. Well, Lee said on, on air, he said, people don't care about your strategy. Mm-hmm. No one cares about your strategy. Mm-hmm. What, what do they care about? The four. Yeah, exactly. Your, your, your whole environment. What is it that you're giving me? Yeah. Are you making me feel special? Yeah, right. Are you are you treating me as an individual? Are you doing what you can to bring me the best product? Yes. So we've had we've had authors on before that have talked about their experience of uh, you know being at uh, Greg Chambers comes to mind uh, the mm-hmm. book that he wrote. We have we've had uh, on air about um, the culture where all of a sudden he was terminated and he wouldn't even consider it anymore. Right. I think at a certain point you should turn around and ask yourself these questions that Lee's are proposing mm-hmm. that he trains his staff. Yeah. Are you getting this from your company? Mm-hmm. Do you feel special at where you work? Cause right. if you don't see, I feel incredibly special. Right. And always have been with the, with this company. And I, I know other people have felt that way about their companies, well, but there's some, yeah. but there are some who think well, they don't care about me. Right. Yeah. And now, for example, my son works at Denzo. He just loves Denzo. Mm-hmm. He says they they go out of the way to make him feel special. That's awesome. That's what the key is. And I mean, it's hard for me to talk about culture at MIG because of the owner of the company. But, um, the, you know, when well, I, th- I can. But when I think about it, I think about, you know, doing the right thing. That's our that's our value statement and our missions, part of our mission statement. And. It just goes to show it's like everybody says, okay, they're going to do the right thing. But I know, and you know, like we are going to do the right thing. Like it's going to happen because that's what the absolute standard is. is and, and so that becomes what's the right thing. Absolutely. And you know what? All of my staff people know that. Mm-hmm. And because I made it clear what Chrissy, the boss, have always and Chuck always wanted, mm-hmm. I've made it clear to them. You can't miss this. Right. And so they'll say, well, you need to talk to him because he says you can't miss this and we don't mm-hmm. miss these things. Right. And then you even boil down it because he talked about, and I said, how, if you have 40,000 cast members, how could you possibly take what your culture is and have that trickle down to all of those people? And then that's where that second layer of leadership goes. So like in our world, Chuck and Chrissy, but then you have, you know, Steve yeah, Smith, yeah. he speaks the same language that Chuck and Chrissy. JR. Do. JR. They're all speaking Kathy. Jesse. Yeah. Myself. I mean, we all have that same basic level of we're going to do what's right for the 
employee and what's right for the client. And that's why I love, it's like a blank canvas. You make for, you make what you can out of it. And we're going to give you every opportunity to draw a masterpiece. But these people know uh, the, the names that you just mentioned, they came in from different walks of life and different companies, just mm-hmm. like Lee did coming in. Mm-hmm. But they're, they're all of a sudden, everybody's on the same page. He yeah. talks about the, the, uh, the, the list of, uh, you know, the cast. Mm-hmm. Well, the casts of any play have a script, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and, and everybody's got to be on the same page for that play to go off. Yeah. You can't be on different pages. And they feel a part of the show because guess what? They are. Okay. And if if Disney is a show, they're a yeah. very instrumental part of that show. In 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 that interesting because he he said it's a big show, mm-hmm. but it's not a show. It's an yeah. amusement park. That's right. It does have shows in it. Right. But it's not. But, yeah. but the mentality is totally different than you and I think of it. Yes. Exactly. Because exactly, you know, um, Haller and Hilton Hill, when he did that big seminar for us, he talked about how Amazon has the one click ordering and you have no idea what's happening behind the scenes, but there's hundreds of people that are getting your package ready to get to your front door. No questions asked, but you don't remember or know that same thing at MIG. When you push online and you go to get your, your loan and you're ready to get into process, we have hundreds of people that are working to manufacture your loan and all that we want you to know is that we're going to have your keys for you at closing Mm -hmm. and that's where the show part of it is and we have cast members that are getting ready for the ultimate unveiling and the curtain call which is closing and so it's all you can equate it all to the same thing but i loved what he said about that pre-meeting the the pre-open meeting because I do know that we all have these built-in forgetters and just reinforcing what we need to do when the curtain r- rises. Yeah, that's a real big point. And I see that in other organizations. I mean, I've got, walked into Walmart before mm-hmm. in the early morning before they've opened up and, and the manager has their team yeah. assembled. Yeah, that's pretty And they're good. saying, hey, if you see somebody that needs help, you walk away from them. <laughs> don't, don't forget, we're not here to help. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, but maybe, the, maybe some companies do. But, but at least but it's, you're in, right. no, it's you're inspiring right. to see. Well, yes. at least they're... They're, they're the getting revved up yeah. for me to come in through that door. Now, whether they produce or not, right. they, they may run from me right. on aisle seven. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. No, that's a very good point. And I think that the best companies all understand that really that the culture eats strategy for lunch mentality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's not to be confused that you don't need strategy. It's just saying you don't need to put it out there. Yeah. Part of your strategy. They don't care. Needs to part of your strategy needs to be culture. Yeah, right. And that's where I think the rubber meets the road. But when the population out there looks at you, they need to see the culture mm. part, not the strategy. Then, then you become a statistic at that point. Yeah, nobody wants to see pie charts or uh, pro forma results or Excel spreadsheets of what our plans are. At the end of the day, they want to make sure that their ice cream hasn't melted when it gets in their hand. You know, right? And that's just it. And, you know, Disney, just real quick as we're wrapping up, when we went to Hawaii earlier this year mm-hmm. and we had the opportunity to go over to the Disney Resort, oh. Alani, I think it's called, okay. that's actually in Honolulu. It's in the Koolina sort of resort area. And as soon as I stepped into the Disney Alani area and the resort, you everything, it was amazing because the smells, the feeling, the cast members, they were replicating that same and reinforcing the same principles and strategy and culture that you felt at the other resorts, any other the hotels, you know, it was, it was amazing. And so 
it just goes to show you that whether you're 4,000 miles away in, in Hawaii or whether you're 4,000 away in Orlando, you're going to get the same thing. And you, you remember, and it was probably started years ago because I started going to Disney back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. But when you would walk into the resort after a long day, somebody would holler from the other side of the thing, welcome home. Mm, welcome home. Do you remember yeah, hearing that? Of course. And that course. was the first time I heard that. I kind of looked around. I thought they were talking about yeah. one of their employees or something. Yeah. <laughs> They're talking to us. That's right. They're talking to us. And I'm, I'm beginning to read a book with Monique, and I can't remember the name of it. But when you think about Disney, you never remember the hot lines or the kid that your kid that was crying and not grateful or the something that may have went wrong you remember the memories the memories the moments that's what disney does so well the de- detail of the memories and the moments whenever i think back about disney i don't think about olivia complaining and crying when she was sitting in line to see woody i remember the great experiences and that's what makes a great company is more moments that will stay etched in your brain Thank you guys for joining us today. Eric, you did a great job with the music. Thank you all for spending this hour with us, and we'll see you next time right here on The Housing Hour. That's The Housing Hour with Kevin Ray for today. Join Kevin and his guests each week at this time to keep up with the why and why not you need to know, so come here to find out. Also, check us out at thehousinghour.com. This show is presented by Mortgage Investors Group.